A first Carrow Road win in the FA Cup since 2012. Nice, smooth transition into the fourth round. And a nice few talking points for us all to discuss in this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast as Norwich beat Coventry 2-0 in the FA Cup third round. I'm your host, Dave Freezer. You can also hear us on Future Radio 107.8 FM. And as ever, I'm joined by Paddy Davitt and Connor Southwell. Pat, I'll come to you first, as this was one against your boys, your Sky Blues, or are you going to uh, disown them for the next 45 minutes or so? Uh, what, what did you make of uh, of the overall performance? What, Cobb's performance or Norwich's? Um, no. A bit of both, I suppose. I mean, I, I think, well, personally, I thought Cobb sort of disappeared into their shells a little bit after, uh, after the goals went in. Well, first half they did, yeah. First half they were... Bright in the first five minutes, then Norwich go bang bang, and then they, whether it was a bit of shock or whatever, or they just couldn't lay a glove on Norwich for the rest of the first half. It was a procession, I think, I tweeted at half time. Um, Norwich just had too much time to do what they wanted, um, and were very comfortable. But to be fair, I did think second half, obviously, Robbins clearly, Mark Robbins must have got into them because they played with far more intensity and urgency. Allied to is Daniel Farker, I think, rightly said after the. After the game, probably Norwich, a little bit subconsciously thinking, well, we've got two goals to the good. Let's just preserve the lead. Uh, he talked about how the passing was a bit too too slow and, um, and too much backwards for him in the second half. So partly maybe Norwich easing off it, but uncommonly raising their levels. I thought the second half was more of a game rather than a, a one-sided progression uh, procession. But uh, a couple of decent stops from Young Barden. I'm sure we'll get into his display as well, but... Yeah, overall, the horse had already bolted, I think, by the time Cobb decided to turn up. So, um, from a Cobb perspective, hugely disappointing. But ultimately, it's not really about progress in the FA Cup for them this season. It's about staying up. Um, although you could argue for Norwich, they've got bigger fish to fry as well. But there was no sign of uh, you know any unwillingness to progress, despite making a lot of changes. I thought that was the most in- impressive thing, really. It wasn't so much the the quality of the goals or some of the general play it was just the intensity. You know, the players that he did put on the pitch really wanted to win that game. It's a testament to him that he was able to convey those messages and those players as well. Obviously, they're playing for other things. You know, some of the fringe lads are trying to get themselves into the league shake-up, so they had other incentives. But I just thought Norwich showed far more intensity and urgency. Um, and as a result, they're in the hat for the fourth, fifth round on, on Monday. Yeah, the fourth and fifth round draws both being made on Monday night, which is quite strange. Um, that means we know that the Millwall or the trip to Millwall on January 23rd, I think it was, that'll be that has to be rearranged for the fourth round tie. Um, but yeah, you mentioned him there, Daniel Barden. Let's talk about him at the top of the show or Screech, as uh, we now know he has become known in the squad thanks to Jordan Hugel's tweet. Uh, now I, I'm not sure if you all have ever watched Saved by the Bell, Connor. Is it is it something you've ever caught up on? No, I didn't even know that was uh, that was a thing. To be honest, I've, I've seen Jordan Hugel's tweet. Um, so the fact that the reference has gone so over my head is um, is it probably tells you all you need to know. I, I thought he was excellent uh, today. A, a series of really good saves, and that started from the off really from um, O'Hare, wasn't it? In, in the opening sort of three minutes or so, where He's almost Schmeichel-esque, made himself really big and um, and produced a decent save there. And in the second half, there, there were a few others, uh, most notably from uh, BMU, where he, where he kind of saved it and it's, it's hit Hanley's face. But um, it, it was just really confident, composed, distribution was good. He didn't look like a, a 20-year-old who was playing only or starting only his second 
senior game for Norwich City, that's for sure. So I think he'll take a lot of heart and a lot of um, and, uh, and a lot of experience out of that. Really, it was a probably a good day for for his lesson learning. I know that maybe there was a, a few nerves pre-match, but it, it certainly wasn't evident. I, I felt as soon as he kicked off, he, he was very vocal as well with how he how he commanded the the back four. So yeah, all round, I think he's he's probably um, done himself justice today and, and done himself proud and as I wrote about him in, in my column on Saturday morning I think it, it kind of shows the depth of quality Norwich City have in in, in those uh, goalkeeping ranks at the moment they've got two really good frontline options both international keepers and then you've got youth internationals as well with John McCracken even Archie Mayer who's uh, doing well on loan at Kings Lynn so there is talent there as well and as I'm sure we'll get into obviously recruiting a, a second choice goalkeeper it makes it more difficult because you want someone who's not going to block the progression of those guys and he looked someone that was was probably ready for um, a, a loan maybe lower down the FL but um, really really good confident display from him um, I think he was the youngest keeper to keep a clean sheet since Declan Rudd in 2009 I saw so um really really positive it wasn't just the saves he made it was it was also how he commanded his area so I think he'll take a lot from that performance Pad you must have wasted some time watching Saved by the Bell in your in your younger years can't be honest Dave no you'll have to educate me on that one no. it rings a no pun intended it does ring a vague bell but uh no <laughs> what, what was on. it mate well, well, basically, Screech is tall with dark curly hair, so I think that's about where, <laughs> where the parallel ends, really. But um, yeah, a good day for that young man, and and as sort of, um, it's possibly teed up his career now, isn't it? Whatever may follow, whether that is, I suppose we probably hope it's not much more action for Norwich the rest of this season. We hope that Tim Krul is able to just uh, get back in the saddle from here. But it could mean, particularly if Norwich were to go up, that he set himself up nicely for, for a loan move next season because they've now got some some tangible footage to, to show scouts and show managers and stuff about what he can do. And you just, just look at the lad. He's got the, he's got the size on his side, isn't he? He's, he's both um, stocky and tall. So, um, yeah, a, a good day for him. I, I, I think uh, we will probably need to go through things a little bit chronologically because as, as much um, the Im the, the talking points of this weekend kind of started with the press conference on Friday, didn't they? With with Mr. Krull's uh, positive COVID test, etc. But before we get into that, I just wanted to have a quick look at the results so far. Um, the, we're recording Saturday evening. We've reconvened once we've warmed up at home with uh, with a cup of tea each um, or a can of Coke in Mr. Mr. Davitt's um, case. Uh, Friday night, we saw Liverpool and Wolves go through a couple of all Premier League ties. And, and it's worth mentioning as well, quite a bit of COVID effect. For instance, Derby have lost to Chorley. Villa's lost to Liverpool, where they've had to play the kids because it's had such uh, a big impact. But before we started recording my last count was that eight championship clubs had gone out so far, uh, which was Rotherham, Reading, Coventry, of course, Cardiff, Derby, Blackburn, doo -doo -doo, who were the other ones, Stoke and Preston. Preston lost 4-1 to Wickham. So um, that just shows you that, you know, um, Norwich have uh, progressed reasonably smoothly. So that's... Um, that's good. And um, I think it's worth mentioning as well, really, that the financial side of, of these things as well, with the amount of money that Norwich have lost because of the pandemic, um, you know, it was 12 and a half million for last season. They projected it could be 12 and a half million for this season as well without fans, etc. So even if they make a quarter of a million or something, a half a million, if they have a bit of a run out of this, that's unbudgeted money, welcome money. And, and in football terms, 
as we saw today, it allows them to to get these players back involved, doesn't it? But in the end, Pad, if I come back to you to, to go back to the press conference, Daniel didn't have quite as many options as he would have liked, did he? Because some of the players we were expecting to come back in, your Rups, your Steepmans, your Dowels, then weren't involved in this. And, and Daniel ended up going pretty strong, didn't he? He certainly did. I've got the team sheet here again. Yeah, I mean, it was seven changes from Barnsley, I think. But yeah, ultimately, you know, you look at that 11. And for me, the bench, you look at the bench, that was... Um, despite the names you referenced there, DF, who were unavailable, uh, and, of course, Krull as well. Let's not forget him. That, that was still a very, very strong 18. I mean, he's bringing on Aaron. He's bringing on Puki, Skip and Buendia. Well, all four of them are standout players in this, what hopefully is a title-winning championship season for Norwich. So when they're coming on the, off from the bench, you would think, well, maybe the 11 isn't probably got enough quality. But, you know... Gibson and Zimmerman, I thought they were decent as well. Zimmerman's obviously had to go off at half-time. Precautionary potentially got a bit of an issue with a hip, Daniel said. But then you bring in on Hanley, so it just kind of underlines the point. Um, I thought Sorensen went well in his natural position alongside Tete. They, they had a nice little thing going. And, um, you know, ahead of them, Hugel showed if he's given the service what he can do. And I thought Puerta, for a man who's not played a lot of football, was was pretty decent. Um Tired a little bit in the second half, but as did some of the some of the other lads who were coming in and, and not really had a lot of football. And of course, Kenny McLean maybe was the beneficiary, chief beneficiary of no Steepman and no Dowell. Um, Vrancic had a bit of a breather because it was Kenny McLean who got the nod in the ten role, and uh, he was certainly vocal uh, in terms of uh, his abuse <laughs> uh, or, or not abuse, but uh, you know he certainly left the ref in no doubt. He thought he'd made a wrong call when he went over on his ankle in the second half and continued his protest to the extent he got a yellow card. But, um, yeah, there was some nice stuff from him as well, I thought. But, yeah, it, it just done the lines, really. I think what we all know, uh, that mapping it back towards the championship side of things and the league, that there's probably not another squad as, as strong as Norwich's. Maybe Bournemouth, you could say, is on a par. But, uh, you know, Norwich have played a championship team today and... Um, you know, you look at their 18 and you look at Norwich's and pound for pound, Norwich should be progressing with, with the players they've got at their disposal, even allowing for no Rupp, no Steeperman, no Dowell, no Krull, as it turned out. Um, it, I, I think we're now getting to the point of the season where the work that Stuart and Daniel did in the summer, both in retaining players and adding to it, Hugel, obviously, Gibson, for example, is beginning to bear fruit now. I think, I think this is the point of the season when the ability Farker has to shuffle his pack a little bit and not materially weaken the side too much is really going to come into its own, whether it be league or cup. Yeah. Um, to follow on from that, I was just quickly checking it back. There's a quote from Mark Robbins, isn't there? Uh, their bench was the strongest that I've seen at this level. And every time they can make a change, they make their team stronger. Um, so that's, um, uh, you know, high praise really from the opposition manager. Um, but I mean, let's keep the COVID talk brief, Connor, because we've all had quite enough of it, haven't we, every single day of our lives at the moment. But Tim Krull, Adam Eater both having to isolate, as is a, a member of City's backroom team. Krull may even be a doubt for Cardiff. We don't know yet. We'll have to see. But that was kind of the, the big uh, talking point going into the press, wasn't it? And then, and then Kieran Dow, not related to COVID, but uh, another little bit of surgery. Yeah, which is which is really frustrating for him, isn't it? It doesn't really feel like his Norwich's career's got going yet, and uh, particularly after how bright he was in that cameo against Reading, it haven't really seen the best of him. Obviously, started at, at, at Watford on Boxing Day, and maybe didn't have the 
the best game. So it's been a bit stop-start for him. I think um, he'll probably be quite frustrated. But yeah, I, I guess the, the benefit, if you can describe it as a benefit, is the fact that Adam Eder is, is obviously already out. So it, it's not reducing his game time significantly, which is good. And hopefully he makes a full recovery as well. But yeah, I, I think what, what Krul's te- positive case does, positive test does, is probably accelerate the, the search for that second-choice goalkeeper now because as good as Barden was today and Daniel Farker kind of reiterated it after the game, I felt you you probably wouldn't want to throw him into the... into give him his first championship start away at Cardiff who are going to sling balls in the box and yeah. be very physical. And I've got Sean Morrison and we all saw the threat that he has in the box at Carrow Road. So that, that would be, that would be very difficult. I think for, for a young man, uh, it would be an excellent test for him, but maybe one that they probably wouldn't necessarily want to take. And what the benefit of going through to the fourth round does is obviously Tim Krull should be back by then you would hope, but it, it may be, possibly give an opportunity for Barden and to, to get another go. Um, unless, of course, Norwich do bring in a second-choice keeper and, and they decide to play him. So, um, yeah, ho- hopefully the, the the COVID stuff doesn't accelerate. That that would be the fear, wouldn't it? That now it's inside the camp that it, it spreads um, even more. Uh, so, so hopefully this time next week, we're talking about a completely COVID-free group um, and, and Daniel Farker having a, a wealth of options to choose from rather than the scenes we've seen uh, with Villa and, and Derby, Sheffield Wednesday as well have, have had uh, a, a lot of players out. So hopefully it doesn't accelerate to that to that degree. Obviously the testing um, being brought in now is is really good news and hopefully that helps to control it a li- little bit more and picks up on those cases that maybe have been going under the radar because they're asymptomatic or whatever. But um, yeah, it does, it does feel like a pivotal two weeks, I think, for football generally. And hopefully if they can get through January and the cases don't sort of skyrocket, then we can kind of put the, the talk of football having a circuit break or whatever on ice because I don't think realistically that's what, what anyone wants, um, particularly given the championship schedule, particularly for Norwich's point perspective, now having a, a, an extra game with this FA Cup fourth round. And obviously the Euros has kind of put a brick wall in terms of when the season needs to end. So we, we could do about that. But the main thing is obviously those affected getting their, getting back to full health and um, hopefully, fingers crossed and all being well, we see Tim Krul at Cardiff because I think that would be the desired uh, solution for everyone involved. Yeah, thankfully, Krull and Ida and, and the member of the backroom team are all sort of okay, aren't they? Uh, Krull a bit fatigued, but um, hoping to be okay. And they hope that he'll be all right for Cardiff, don't they? Is, he might not get be able to train very much with the team ahead of the game, but I'll have to take that um, as it comes. But but equally, the NFL is stepping it up massively across the board this week, isn't it? Because they, football knows that it's got to be seen to be doing as much as possible now. Isn't it? And, and probably maybe you could even argue that they have become a little bit complacent in the last month or two because they've been doing it for quite a while I think maybe football felt it was doing enough but now it needs to be seen by the general public to be doing enough to justify keep playing and and the efforts that are being put into it to keeping the game going so all the FL clubs are now going to be testing twice a week and they're ratcheting up the the guidelines and stuff again so like after the project restart period in the Premier League last year when Norwich players were coming into training already in kit they weren't allowed to eat in the canteen you know keeping contacts to a minimum everything being as careful as possible they're moving back towards that side of things but let's park COVID for for there because um we, we all are sick of talking about it aren't we uh Pad let's let's dissect that first goal then uh Boeta gets it going Nice little pass from Campwell and and Kenny McLean's second goal of the season. And and I think Kenny continued in in that 
he's just been a really nice seam of form since he's come back from his injury, really, isn't it? Like if you take the the injury time moment when he should have made it 3-0, shouldn't he? Even at that stage of the game, he's running like a man possessed, trying to to get another goal. So um yeah, I, I think he's he's in a good place, isn't he? Yeah, we disagree, yeah. And and I think it taps back into what I was saying earlier about the competition now is such that you get an opportunity, you have to make it count. And and he would have been frustrated. Yes, he had a few injury issues, but essentially he's been kept outside by the former Lucas Rupp alongside Ollie Skip. And, uh, you know, there was a period there where he was only really getting some action when he went away with Scotland on international duty. And uh, um, having been part of that squad that's got to the Euros, Connor's talking about the Euros, well, that's a huge incentive for that man, yeah, as, it is, as it is Grant Hanley, to... to you know, not just be part of Steve Clark's squad, but but be a, a leading force at that tournament. You know, um, and he looks like a man who's right. I'm going to get the opportunity, and when my opportunity comes, I have to nail it, and I have to every week now, every game, every few days, maintain that level of performance. And you can just see the drive that's in his game. You know, you talk there about he's still going into the opposition box deep in stoppage time, and um, you know, the last two or three games, the range of passing, short and long, the, the combative. Um, nature of his game, you know, throwing himself into tackles, the physicality he's shown. Yeah, he's, he's ticking a lot of boxes at the minute and, you know, hopefully Lucas Rupp is available to step it up next week in terms of returning to team training but I think for the foreseeable, it's going to be a role reversal. It's going to be McLean alongside Ollie Skip because he's, right now, playing too well to be dipped out the side unless injury or suspension intervenes and, it, and it's credit to him because he would have been frustrated, I'm sure, um, having, you know, been called indispensable by Daniel Farker during the Premier League season, uh, one of the few shining lights for Daniel anyway. Um, he would, And at the start of the season, in fact, in pre-season, it looked like Daniel's thinking was Skipper McLean were going to be his central midfield too, but that's credit to Lucas Rock that he edged him out. Um, but fair play to Kenny, shows the temperament and the, and the mentality he's got. He's took his medicine, um, but bided his time and now he's come back and uh, he really is in a nice groove and um, you know, if he maintains that level of form, I think he's going to be one of the first names on the team sheet. Yeah, agreed. And, and it's not just playing the Euros, but playing England at Wembley on, I think it's a nine o'clock kickoff on a Friday night, isn't it? Or, or maybe it's an eight o'clock kickoff. That was probably because I was reading the UEFA website. So that's probably European time, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, I mean, that that if if the pubs and stuff are open again by then, which... God help us, please they are. <laughs> um, then um, that could be quite a lively encounter. And, and you know, as he saw, he, he was on the pitch, he was in in the team, so he ended up being able to take the winning penalty in in the shootout and stuff in in their success in November. So if he's on that pitch at Wembley, then he's got the chance to do something special, isn't he? So yeah, he's got he's got something to uh, to, to really play for there. Um, uh, another assist for Campwell as well. That's two in what five or six games. Um, so. He, you know, Daniel had sort of highlighted that um, it had been a long time since Todd had got an assist. And, you know, now he's showing that side of things as well. But then, bang, before we know it, barely a, a minute later, we've got, I mean, doing the live updates at Pinkin.com, I barely even told the uh, the commenters in there what had happened with the first goal. And and away we are. It's 2-0. Jordan Hugel gets his first carry road goal, his second goal of the season. It's... It's first since that penalty at Rotherham, the injury time winner. And a lovely cross from Perketa, wasn't it, um, Connor, for, for the goal? But really, I, I thought that was probably the only moment when they, they really played to his strengths in the in the whole match again, which I think is, you know, a little bit unfair on the bloke. 
Yeah, beyond, beyond the header, I, I didn't think he, he had much at all, really, in terms of he, at his feet or, or with his head at all, um, which is, which is again, a shame because I was, I was quite looking forward to seeing how he'd do from the start. And um, obviously, it's a lovely header to, to direct it into the corner that, that he has. I think that, that shows his qualities. Uh, he's, he's a sort of penalty box striker, classic target man in that regard. Uh, it's a really cute little header, actually, from, from the cross, which I think gets a slight deflection, but brilliant work from, from Placetta as well, who, who I felt faded as well in the second half, but probably to be expected after injury. But um, yeah, I, I don't think they've quite managed to find a way. It, it, it's kind of a two-way street. I don't think that Jordan Hugel necessarily knows how to get the best out of this Norwich side and, and vice versa. So it's it's kind of a, a dilemma they need to resolve. And, and you looked at that side and me and Paddy did the team news video. I was looking at it. I was thinking Xavi Quintilla, uh, Placetta, two more natural sort of wide options that want to get the ball into the box and obviously we, we saw that bare fruit with Placetta but beyond that Norwich weren't eager to get crosses in it was it was much the same to be honest um, and, and that is kind of a shame because I, th- I think for him it, it must be incredibly frustrating um, when you know that your skill set is 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 x and, and the team is doing y or whatever but um, as an option as, as an option that's completely different he does do a job and you can see why they, they opted to recruit him now Again, there's probably arguments to be had about whether the amount of money they spent is is um, was wise, considering maybe the role he's had in the, in the squad. But I think you have to take into consideration his character, and uh, you know we spoke at the top top end of the show about Dan Barden and, and that, and, and that's kind of stuff like that which really improved the the morale in the dressing room and um, and and do help with the togetherness. And we've heard Daniel Farker, uh, Stuart Weber, rather speak about culture and enablers, and it kind of feels like maybe off the pitch he's one of those. Um, but yeah, on, on the pitch, hasn't quite clicked for him yet. Hopefully it will do. Part of me is wondering whether he's going to be someone that's better suited when the crowds are back in and maybe Norwich are at the den, for example, and fans are winding him up a little bit. And 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 that's maybe when we'll, we'll see the best of him. But um, glad he got his goal. Certainly more work to do for me. You mentioned there that I think it was Pahetti you said, wasn't it, sort of ran out of steam. But I, I thought that was the case for a lot of those players, really. I mean, like Mumba, I thought Mumba was pretty good in the first half, but then ran out of steam. Even Sorensen, I, I thought, tailed off quite a bit in the second half after some quite bright signs. But, Pad, let's focus on the uh, the two fullbacks to start with who, who came in. Uh, Mumba at right back and Kintia at left back. We've been waiting a long time to see Kintia, haven't we? And... I have to say, I thought he in particular looked pretty rusty and there were a couple of, well, there was one offside in particular that drew a pretty angry reaction from Daniel Farker, wasn't it? Because he's, you know, looking right across the line. He just should not be offside. But yeah, what did you make of those two? Yeah, I mean, I think it was the type of game Norwich go up early and then and then it was containment mode. So, you know, it what it, it, that's Quintilla's strongest suit, I think, we've seen thus far prior to, to his injury problems from Brentford onwards, is on the front foot uh, and attacking and getting into the final third and, and putting some decent deliveries in and obviously set piece work. So it probably it didn't suit him in terms of how the game developed, I think, uh, because Norwich were very happy just to keep cover arms length. I felt uh, they felt, you know, they, they'd got their noses in front. They didn't really need to chase the game or even force the game. Um, so yeah, I, I don't. I, I think that was just literally getting him back out on the pitch and getting some minutes into those legs. And uh, and and if he be interested, in how Daniel now plays it going into the Cardiff game? Does he re- revert to Sorensen or is now Quintilla back? And 
Norwich's uh, left back until or if they do make a move in the market because that's an area they're looking to strengthen in January, irrespective of Quintia's sort of form or, or whether he stays here, which the plan is for him to stay here. But I just think they now feel fitness-wise, maybe the rigours of English football is his body strong enough for another 23 games, another four or five months of intense action. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think we learned too much new from him. Um, that was, that was. I mean, it is a fairly long layoff. If you go back to Brentford, that's a lot of games and a lot of training that he's missed. So I think it was probably inevitable that we saw plenty of signs of rust. In contrast to me, for me, on the other flank, I thought Mumba um, was a far more heavily involved. Um, he had a nice shot, didn't he? Cut inside on his left peg early in the first half. Um, the, he came off just over the hour mark. That was pre-planned. Daniel said after the game that it was always going to be the case that Max Aarons came on for that final 30 minutes or so. Um, and basically, the reason being that he is well ahead of schedule. I don't think anybody within Norwich's coaching or sports science or physio department really expected Barley Mumba to be available for, as I'm looking down, 9th of January. I think they thought it would be a little bit longer um, with the Lee ligament problem he did. It's probably a testament to, to his youth and his ability to heal quickly. And Daniel said yesterday, um, you know, he's, he's the type of quite light frame as well. So in terms of he doesn't, he's not one of those and he's a huge amount of training work now to get back up to speed. And, and I, I thought, I thought he slipped back in and looked fairly comfortable. Um, of course, there's more to come from him, but in a broader picture, I think that's a, a, that really is um, going to emerge as quite an important return because Max Aaron's there's there's too much load on him at the minute. You know, he's played pretty much every minute up to this point. Um, if he was injured and we had those scares, or you know, funny enough, it was the Coventry game in the league, wasn't it, where he did his ankle. Um, but managed miraculously to reappear against Luton a few days later. But if you're without Max Aaron's for any length of time, you, you do get a little bit concerned about what the options are. And it, it would feel if it was a Rob or, um, I don't know, you go wing-backs unlikely, but but it'd be square pegs, round holes, a little bit like Sorensen has been on the left-hand side. Whereas Mumba, I think, I know he you know caught the eye on the left-hand side against Swansea before Christmas, but he, in terms of his athleticism, in terms of his temperament for such a young man, in terms of you know, his composure. There's a lot of parallels with when Aaron's first burst on the scene and and you could you can see that they're gonna try and mould him, I think, into because let's be honest with Grace Will and Will, Max Aaron's won't be a Norwich player for too much longer beyond this season, I don't think, um, the way his career trajectory is going. So they need to start succession planning and we might just be seeing Max Aaron's is a replacement in time. So um so in the here and now I think it's great that Max Aaron's we've got a bit of competition for him and if he did pick up an injury or a suspension, a more natural fit at right back, um, but longer to, mid to longer term, I think you, you're going to start to see now maybe Barley Mumba is the longer term answer if Max Aaron's moves on or when he moves on, shall I say. Yeah, that was exactly my thoughts in the first half that you could see glimpses of a potential Aaron successor there. Very similar in style, in pace, um, in, in willing to get forward and, and attack. Um, but, you know, he's only 19, still inexperienced. And, and I think we should... I meant to say earlier that I don't think anybody can be judged too harshly on this game because, uh, as we saw in the second half, particularly once Coventry made it a scrap, um, the Norwich became quite disjointed and you saw a lot of those players running out of steam. So I think, as you said with Kintia, it's that important first step, isn't it? And they're, they're getting back up to speed and hopefully, you know, with the fourth round, unless, you know, they're away to Manchester City or something really difficult like that, 
that fourth round game can hopefully uh, you know be another opportunity to get these guys really up and running and in competition for for the league games per- personally on the back of what i saw today i would be playing Sorensen at cardiff because i feel like he's in a much better defensive flow certainly and Kintia could then be an attacking option off the bench if Norwich need to go and chase some goals there because we all know how awkward Cardiff are. They're big and physical and they there's, there's always going to be the threat that any time they can chuck a long throw or a corner or something in the box and and find a goal against Norwich. Um, let's move it on to Sorensen then, Connor, in terms of that's the first real time we've seen him in midfield uh, as well as he's persevered in, at left back. And what, what, what did you make of him? Thought he was good. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was very good. Like you say, I think he he probably tailed off in the second half a little bit. Um, but certainly, certainly in the first half, probably everything that that we've suspected in terms of his temperament, in terms of how intelligent he is in possession, um, broke up play nicely as well. And again, there, there were even moments in the first half where Barley Mumba would really push on to try and give Norwich a bit of um, forward width, and and he was intelligent enough just to slot in at right back and make sure that Norwich have that defensive protection and and were still able to sort of create overloads out wide. So, um, yeah, very you can you can see why he's been flagged up to by Norwich's recruitment team in in, in terms of the way he plays, in terms of the way he uses the ball. Um, it was it was a really good first step for him, and, and we spoke about midfield options. Kenny McLean, I think, is probably in the best form he's been for a while for Norwich. Um, even Alex Tetty, I would throw in there. I thought he was very good today in terms of his how <laughs> he was. And let's not get into the the, the um, uh, forget the Maradona turn. I'm calling it the Tetty turn now. So um, <laughs> it was it was something else that there's um, there's plenty of gifts on Twitter that I've seen subsequently, which I'm not wholly surprised about. But I, I'd even throw him into that debate, and we've really gone from. Uh, a period at the the start of the season where we were talking about Ollie Skip and Lucas Rook being sort of mainstays in that Norwich side. Now to talking about three, four options in in, in those two positions was a really healthy place to be, and that's before we speak about Mario Vrancic. So um, it's it's a really nice place for Norwich to be, considering maybe the difficulties they had in those two positions last year. I think he'll he'll definitely offer something different. I think he's he's probably. Um, somewhere in between a, an Ollie Skip and a Kenny McLean. He's not pure energy and he's not someone that, that maybe wants to be completely defensive either. So um, certainly a, a balanced display, uh, promising, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play there more, if, I, if I'm honest. And um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how he adapts when uh, when, when a championship game comes in, um, if, if he's deployed in that role. But for me, it's very difficult at the moment to see Kenny McLean getting getting um, removed out of there, unless, of course, Daniel Farker decides to keep him at, at number 10 with Kieran Dowell out. Yeah, I've just been keeping an eye on, on the results while we've been talking as well. Got another championship club out now to Premier League opposition, to be fair. QPR losing 2-0 at home to Fulham. Uh, Russell Martin and MK Dons have taken Burnley to penalties, so we'll see how they got on. Jerome scored the goal in that as well. Uh, and West Brom have been taken to penalties by Blackpool as well, so we'll, we'll see how that goes um with with those games um but pad uh what do you make of the cantwell incident midway through the second half um for a second i was worried he was going to get sent off which would have been exactly the sort of thing that you you're trying to avoid in an fa cup game you know in terms of injuries and suspensions um but it was with the right wing back wasn't it julian de costa and they they had a bit of a bit of a running battle yeah, they certainly did. Yeah, I think Cantwell felt he was on the end of some rough treatment, didn't get a lot of protection from the official. Um, and I, I, didn't, I didn't actually, I, did, I saw the actual 
aftermath, the confrontation. I didn't in real time see, um, you know, what sparked that, but you, you can only assume reading between the lines. It, in his view, it was another naughty challenge and uh, that was maybe one challenge too many for him. And again, only seeing it in real time, I'd, I'd have to maybe see an actual replay back, but anecdotal evidence is maybe that the arms went into the, the guy's chest. Uh, there was a few verbals as well. And it was that it was pretty close to the assistant referee on the near side. Now, you know, you can draw a little bit of a parallel with Adam Eder's red card against Wickham, where, uh, you know, he reacted to a poor challenge, um, raised his hands probably a little bit higher than Cantwell did and, and was straight red carded. And, um, you know, if the assistant had maybe had a different different version or a different view of that incident, it might have been a red rather than a yellow that Cantwell was shown. So, touch fortunate. Um, he's obviously been provoked and he's reacted uh, and... I'm sure if it had ended in a red card, then uh, his manager or his head coach would have been swift to uh, to uh, probably implore him to grow up a little bit because you can't get involved in petty uh, squabbles of that nature. Um, you just basically have to, you know, try and be a bit more mature about it. And you know, Emmy Buendia has been been found wanting in that department in the last sort of 12, 18 months, but I think of late. You know, he's shown the way he's coming for a bit of rough treatment, but he, he seems to have got himself through that period. And to be fair with Camel, that's not something you associate with Camel. I don't think that's really necessarily in his makeup. He probably just felt on this occasion this afternoon that, uh, you know, that, that he didn't get any assistance from the referee in terms of protection. And, um, and it was one poor challenge too many. But you can't take matters into your own hands and, you know, probably consider himself a little bit fortunate that in the climate we, we are in now in terms of those challenges could easily have been a red card so possibly a lesson to learn I think yeah um that was a uh running battle in terms of they they'd been sort of bickering a bit before that hadn't they I, I think that that instant actually came from Kintia getting I think he might have even been nutmegged on halfway but certainly to cost sort of left him for dust and then uh, I think Cantwell was involved in bringing him down and then um he's on the floor Cantwell sort of pushes him but the big difference between the Eda one uh is that the red mist came down for Eda, didn't it? And he really, he sort of quite aggressively shoved him. Whereas Todd's more just sort of standing over him and, and, and remonstrating. So he got away with it, but that, that would have been a real blow if, if that would have been added into the mix. Um, Timmy Pukki and Emmy Buendi, once they came on, <laughs> the poor Coventry defenders must have thought, oh, great. <laughs> really pleased to see these boys coming on. But, um, and Buendi, um, finds Pukki in the box for one and he ends up hitting the post. And, and he also sets up McLean for that one that, Definitely should have made it three 0 So it should have been more more comfortable. But this this felt for for us uh, bizarrely comfortable. It was like a luxury, wasn't it? Norwich being two 0 up at half time, we're just not used to it. They they were three one up at Bristol City um, in the league earlier in the season. But um, looking back at the fixtures, I think I, I probably need, I need to check this a bit more forensically. But I think from my first look, that's the first time they've been up by two goals at half time at Cow Road. Since April 2019, when they beat QPR 4 0. So, from our point of view as reporters, when games are always in the balance, particularly you, Pad, when you're doing your your famous pointers, um, when a game is still in the balance and there's only one goal in it, it's difficult to crack on, isn't it? So, Connor, did you end up, end up getting home feeling like it had been sort of a slightly more uh, enjoyable experience? Yeah, yeah well, you say, you say that. I was um, probably, uh, as I think we all were, probably 
um, fairly shocked by the second goal, and um, luckily I did I did see it. But um, it, I think there was probably a high probability that I could have missed it uh, with, with how quick it was, eighty seconds between the goals or whatever. But yeah, it, it kind of felt like they they'd up their level early on, got the two goals, and then really were able to control. And I don't know if it was by design or just kind of what we've touched upon about fatigue and stuff, but it kind of felt like they worked their way back down through the gears and um, they had to na- sort of navigate a little period after half time where Coventry came out fighting a bit but beyond that they, they had sort of control of it and-, and kept Coventry at arm's length I felt and um, I don't know if this was a, a Coventry side uh, again with thoughts on the league and maybe not really with too many cares about not getting to the to the fourth round of the FA Cup um, but yeah I-, I did get home and felt it was it was very comfortable actually and um it's another clean sheet, which is which is positive as well. So it was. Um, I, I kind of sort of travelled to Carroll Road with with a lot of intrigue again about kind of who we were going to see and how they were going to perform. We've spoken about some of those characters, um, and it was it was nice not really to have that that tension or to be sat around in the 85th minute waiting to waiting to see which direction the game was going to go in. So um, it was it was comfortable, maybe more comfortable than I expected. And I think what what Paddy said earlier on the fact that Norwich made seven changes Coventry have, have made three and, and yet Norwich still looks significantly stronger says all that you need to know about the quality within their squad at the moment that was effectively their their second team um, and even with probably their, their third or fourth team against Coventry in the league they still managed to draw so it just goes to show that they have too much quality I think for teams at this level um, I'm just praying that we get another home draw in, in the in the fourth round and we're not travelling to Chorley or um, somewhere somewhere else in the sticks um, so, so fingers crossed um, um, of course, fourth and fifth round uh, draws being being done on Monday, so that's going to be uh, convoluted. But fingers crossed, Norwich get some favourable draws and, uh, and and we get a little bit of a cup run again to talk about. Yeah, although the the, the draws are a little bit different now, aren't they? Because the fans don't have anything invested in it. So mm. you know, if it's Tottenham away, it's not it's not like oh yeah, there's going to be nine thousand Norwich fans there. Or if it's Chorley away, it's you know, it's not like the Tamworth game when they or Poulton Rovers or something. The fans can't really look forward to it, can they? So the draw is going to kind of be a bit of a damp squib, isn't it? Talking of which, I'm afraid uh, MK Dons have lost their penalty shootout. Uh, Burnley have got off the hook. They've won that 4-3. Uh, Jerome was already off the pitch, so he didn't take a penalty. Louis Thompson not involved either, but it's a bit of a feather in the cap for, for Russell Martin, isn't it? Taking Burnley all the way to a uh, penalty shootout. And uh, what is the score in the other one? It looks like uh, Blackpool-West Brom penalty shootout is still ongoing. So the, the thing I mentioned at the top of the pod as well, Pad, which had uh, surprised me, um, was that they haven't won a Carroll Road game in the FA Cup since 2012, since Lambert was in charge, since a 4-1 win over, over Burnley. Um, they'd had eight, eight home game, home ties since then as well. So it's not as if they hadn't had the opportunity. Um, but that, that's quite odd to, to, to think that, isn't it? Not So what is that? Uh, yeah, not far off nine years. That is some going, yeah. Um, I did this morning, just wanted to get me seasons in sync. The season they won the title two years ago, it was the Portsmouth game. Yeah. Age, um, Grant Hanley, I think, made a rick that day, didn't he? And, uh, you know, Got sent off. Exactly, but uh, but in the in the bigger picture, it, it didn't adversely affect them. So, yes, good to win. But I do think you know, despite the embarrassment relatively of Rich's vis-a-vis a lot of teams at this level, Daniel talked about getting the balance right yesterday um, when he previewed this game about yes, 
he wanted to get through, but he knows how important the league is and it he was trying to hit that right balance. He's got it perfectly right today. I think the result and the performance largely would back him up. But, you know, just moving into round four, maybe round five, maybe even a bit longer in this competition, um, it's such a, a calibration that he's got to achieve now because, you know, heaven forbid they get a fourth round tie. I don't know, pick a player at random, a key player and Aaron's a Buendia, a Puki, if they, they get injured in one of these cup ties and, and miss a, any, any serious amount of games in the league. That could that could really be detrimental um, because even though they're at the top and they've got a little bit of a points cushion, it still feels a bit too close to comfort and, and too big a pack of clubs yet. hasn't really thinned itself out. We're still in the, I feel, for another few games yet. We're still in that period where there's jockeying for positions going on rather than, you know, you get to a point, as Norwich did two years ago, where it's them, Leeds and Sheffield United and, and, it, and there's a clarity to three into two kind of equation. So... For me, I'm a little bit concerned that, you know, Daniel would continue to go as strong as he has if they get into a four, fifth, sixth round situations. But, you know, he's paid to make those decisions and he's got it absolutely spot on this weekend. So, um, you know, let, let, let's just sort of bask in, as you say, ending that rather quirky stat in terms of home wins in this competition. And uh, it is a shame, yeah, it is a shame. Because if, you know, as you said, if, if it was a repeat of a Tottenham away or somewhere where, you know, they would have had a huge travelling contingent and they'd have sold their tickets. Um, not to have, have that opportunity is, again, it just reiterates, you know, what a, what a soulless pursuit it is at the moment in terms of, you know, football as nobody wants it or, or knows it really or wants it to be for any greater length of time. But is what it is. Um Norwich are having to do the best that they can. And and at the moment, Farker is definitely getting more right than wrong. And uh, it's, it's a testament to him and his players that, you know, they were so superior, I thought, to Coventry today, um, you know, despite the changes. And, uh, yeah, as you said, the, the draw will be interesting. But uh, purely from a selfish point of view, we just want a home tie, boys. We don't want to be doing any travelling, boys. So. <laughs> and, and it's... It's going to be interesting that change dynamic as well of knowing who you've got in the fifth round um uh, to, so you'll know who you're playing for in in that match um anyway we've got a couple of nice little bits to finish on here uh, blackpool did beat west brom on penalties so that is uh, the first premier league team knocked out and former norwich academy player dialang jayasimi has scored at ipswich uh, given Swindon a 1 0 lead, that's the League One game because it was which are out of the FA Cup, aren't they? And uh, he's headed into the bottom corner. And given I think he's sort of roughly Max Aaron's sized, uh, that's not bad going either. Um, there was a good little joke as well during our live updates at pinkin.com, of course, uh, which I'll throw your way to just to finish with Connor, just uh, just to touch on the transfer window briefly. Uh, we've seen Carlton Morris sold, it's fairly quiet start to the window for Norwich. Carlton Morris sold to Barnsley as expected, and William Hondamark, the under-23s midfielder, has got a, a decent-sounding loan move to Harrogate Town in League Two, uh, although he is out of contract in the summer, so um, we'll have to see whether that's him playing for his Norwich future or whether that's him looking for a future elsewhere. We, we shall see. But there was a nice line saying, interesting to see Emi Buendia cup-tied now. Does that mean Arsenal won't be interested because that's the only competition they ever win? <laughs> so uh, which i thought was very good but um uh, just sort of brings that to date on how that one's evolved or or, or maybe not evolved 
Uh, yeah, well, I was I was going to say he ran down the touchline and, uh, and and wasn't smiling. So if you're an Arsenal uh, fan account, that probably means that he's uh, he's going to rock up at the Emirates next week. I think that's that's basically been the nature of the reports, hasn't it? But uh, yeah, there's 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 no developments there. Um, I was I was actually surprised to see him come on today, not particularly because of the speculation, but just because of the load and and a little bit of protection. But um, but but no, I I fully expect barring. Arsenal, and I know they've got this this loan out, which obviously they're not, they're not allowed to use on transfers. But barring them finding, um, uh, however much money you want to put on it, a, a, a quite large sum of money, then I, I can't see Emi Buendia not being a Norwich player come the end of January. If I'm completely honest, and um, we, we we've kind of spoken about why. So in terms of evolving, I don't think it's it's evolved or moved on at all. Maybe beyond some Arsenal fans. Um, clutching at straws a little bit, but uh, that's that's the nature of transfer windows. That's what makes them so enjoyable or endurable uh which whichever you prefer but um i i think it'll be quiet in in both directions if i'm honest um beyond maybe the the second choice goalkeeper that obviously we've we've spoken about and possibly a left back in terms of in inwards and uh maybe some reshuffling of loans now i can't really see anyone going out um barring a barring a massive bid so thankfully for us i think it'll be a, a fairly quiet january period yeah, and just to close, Padam, you, you asked Daniel about um, Sam McCallum, didn't you? Just as obviously he, he wasn't able to play the commentary today against his parent club. But um, obviously that, that does throw a little bit of um, light on the left-back situation, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And in, 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 in a nutshell, they're very happy with what he's doing. Commentary wasn't available today, uh, understandably. But um, Daniel said it was a bit of a slow burner, which it was, you know, he wasn't, getting a huge amount of game time. He was coming off the bench at the start of his loan, but I think uh, this body of games subsequently uh, he's pretty much started a lot of those and 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 they're really happy with his development. Daniel said essentially that they had a look at him in that Luton Cup tie, the very first competitive game of the season, probably felt he was a bit too far away. Bear in mind, Quintilia was already in the building as well, so he was going to be the first choice. Um, although, as it turned out, he might have seen a bit of more game time um, if we'd have known then that Quintilla was going to be out the length of time he was, but I think they felt, having looked at him against Luton, that going forward, uh, he's definitely got the tools, but defensively, he probably needs to work on his game a little bit. Um, and it's worth reiterating, there's a man who was essentially plucked from non-league not all that long ago. Um, he's never played at championship level before, so what they've been able to do is engineer a move to a club in the championship where he'll get hopefully a good body of game time and, and can work on that defensive side of his game because, um, with the greatest respect, Coventry are probably going to do, have to do a lot more defending over the entirety of the Championship season than Norwich would have to do. So, um, quite an astute loan, I think. And obviously, you know, he, he was very comfortable in those surroundings because, you know, he was there last season and a key part of their League One uh, title winning success. So, as far as Daniel's concerned, as long as he continues to play games regularly, they want to park him there for the rest of the season. Um, and just let him work on those aspects that they feel he needs to if he's really going to become a serious option for the starting lineup back at his parent club, which at the minute he isn't, I think it's safe to say. So, But of course, the great imponderable there is if they do go and bring in a left back in this window, um, that might push him even further down the pecking order. So there's a lot of moving parts for these things. But ultimately, in the here and the now, um, it seems like as a low move, that's working out quite well for all parties. So uh, good luck to the lad. Yeah, because he the bits and pieces we've seen in terms of his media. He seems quite a nice lad as well, you know, very aware of the opportunity he's been given and, and you know, that he's gone from non-league to 
top end of the championship in terms of his parent club in, in not all that length of time. And uh, it's a nice story. You know, you like to see that, you know, that it isn't the smooth academy progression. He's had his setbacks and his knockbacks and, um, and he's come again. And, um, you know, he, he seems quite an intelligent lad as well. So I think if you can take all that on board, um, let's see where he is in terms of his development when he comes back to Norwich in the summer. Sorry yeah. to, to jump in, Dave. I obviously spoke to him after uh, after Coventry game against uh, Bolton in February, I think it was, when I, when I went to watch him play there. And um, Paddy's right. I think I think with some young players, you can get the sense that maybe they believe the hype a little bit. But he was very sort of grounded, very, and this was just after his Norwich City move as well, and um, sort of said all the right things and was very intelligent, very thoughtful as well. So um, I, I think he's he, he seems very grateful, I think, for where he's come from rather than maybe Lynn than being eager to, to go in the other direction and, and looking upwards. So, um, yeah, let, let's hope he can prove the defensive side because he he, he did seem like a, a really lovely lad and a, and a good character. Yeah, and I guess that's partly because he was playing in non-league not that long ago. And you quite often find that in football, don't you? That when you speak to players, a bit like someone like Jordan Hugo, for example, or a Grant Holt, they just tend to be that bit more grounded in reality, don't they? And a bit, they're able to relate to normal people a bit more if they haven't been brought up in an academy bubble. But as ever with young players and, and low knees and things like that, um, if Norwich get promoted to the Premier League, it just it puts a completely different dynamic on it, doesn't it? As we've seen with, with loads of players over the years, if you think back to Tom Adeyemi and, and Corey Smith in particular, that, that it then sort of overtakes them a bit, doesn't it? And you, they, you can't necessarily blood players as easily in the Premier League as he can in the Championship. So uh, we shall see. But of course, Pinkham.com is the place to go. We'll keep you up to date with everything that's going on during the transfer January transfer window, uh, which closes on Monday, February the 2nd, I think it is, isn't it? Or February the 1st, one of the two. And um, we'll, of course, start building up to next Saturday's game against Cardiff as well. Uh, it wasn't quite saved by the Barden, was it? Even though uh, we now know it was, uh, <laughs> now that we know that it was a screeching goal for, for Norwich. But um, it was uh, certainly a memorable, memorable day for that young man and hopefully many more to come. Um, Norwich, of course, have had a rich history of, of goalkeepers coming through the academy system and going on to have very good careers. So hopefully we'll we'll look back on today and, and talk about it as being a, the start of something special for him. But of course, as, as I said earlier in the show, the main thing Norwich fans really want to see is Tim Krull back at his best and, and playing regularly for the rest of the season because um, that, will, uh, that will mean things are going well, you would have thought. Right, that'll do. Thank you very much, boys. Thank you very much for listening. As ever, you can also hear us on Future Radio 107.8 FM. Through to the FA Cup fourth round, we'll also find out who the fifth round opponents are. That is from 7.10pm on Monday night. So pinkin.com is the place to be to find the draw. Thanks very much for listening. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant.